love it when a leader says, I have no interest in fashion, but I love that story. And I'm like, oh, you do have an interest in fashion because you're not naked. Yes, yes, a loving my new intro by Robin Gavon, the only black queen to win a Pulitzer Prize for fashion journalism, just saying. And welcome back to You Have to Wear Something. Well, Black History Month is over, but the struggle continues. I have been taking these free classes with Slow Factory, a nonprofit offering free sustainable fashion and history classes for BIPOC communities, aka moi. Thanks for the plug, Paris. And I was already fascinated to learn about Contamanto, a market in Accra, Ghana, where we send an exorbitant amount of secondhand clothes. And it's a mess, y'all. But let's start with how we got here. Colonialism is often seen as a distant abstraction of the past. Yet, colonial mentalities and practices continue to reign supreme in how fashion business operates today. Systems are often predicated on seeing the extraction and exploitation of resources, from raw materials to labor, as the means for infinite growth and success. And most of these resources are extracted precisely in nations destabilized from colonial violence. The relics of a violent past and present are embedded throughout our modern world. Many South Asian women come from a culture colonized by the British Raj for two centuries. I often think about the jewelry the Queen of England still wears to this day, stolen from that part of the world never to be returned. Looking at the history of commodities and later manufacturing for the fashion industry, it is clear to see that it is built on a core truth the oppression of black and brown bodies based on an institutional form of racism inherited from a colonial past. Big fun. If we look at fast fashion from a macro perspective, and you know how much I can't stand fast fashion, it is clear that supply chains for most major clothing brands have the same trade routes from 150 years ago during the height of European colonial exploitation. That's to say, the fast fashion industry continues to exploit systems in countries still affected by the impacts of colonization. The colonizers today, much like the British Raj, are the brands themselves, American and European brands who have refused to pay up for orders during the pandemic, including The Gap, Urban Outfitters, and Walmart. Their business model has always been to head to the cheapest and poorest parts of the world to plunder. When China became too expensive as wages went up, they fled to places like Cambodia, Myanmar, and now Ethiopia. Why is this? Not because of infrastructure or better factories. Simply because they are the cheapest frontiers left to exploit black and brown bodies. The image of a poor garment worker has largely become part of the public consciousness, yet it's one that we seem numb to. But the creation of this docile workforce is an intentional act, all tied to fashion industry's global race to the bottom. In today's neoliberal, deregulated global economy, developing countries are competing to produce for brands as much as they can, as cheap as they can, and as fast as they can. 
This is why fast fashion is predicated upon a vulnerable workforce and lack of environmental standards. From the chaos we have seen unleashed by coronavirus on suddenly shuttered factories, leaving out-of-work women without access to social protections like dying in factories, which just happened in a denim factory in India, or the contaminated water that runs off into communities from factories. I mean, I don't want anybody to die for me to be cute. Not for a knockoff. Yuck. For years, workers have shared how they don't drink water or tea so that they don't have to use the bathroom. How they skip meals to work harder and faster. It is clear that garment jobs is a form of modern day slavery, with the white masters benefiting from the blood and sweat of people of color. But I want to talk specifically about Contamanto, the largest secondhand market in Ghana. Roughly 15 million items are unloaded in Contamanto every week. With a national population of just over 30 million people, not all of this clothing can possibly find a home. Americans buy four times as much clothing now as they did in 1980, according to a report done by thrift store chain Savers in 2017. Most of this clothing gets wasted, literally. 26 billion pounds of textiles end up in a landfill each year. The clothing industry is second only to oil in creating pollution. Through surveys, interviews, waste analysis, and synthesizing various data points over a two-year period, um, it's been concluded that 40% of the clothing in each bale becomes waste. This waste is dumped in overflowing sanitary landfills, dumped in the Gulf of Guinea, or sent to open unplanned landfills where it burns in the backyard of Accra's most vulnerable neighborhoods. Almost all of the clothing lying in Ghana's landfills comes directly from secondhand markets. But Contamanto represents many things, spanning roughly seven acres in the center of Accra with 5,000 individual shops and a labor force of 30,000. Contamanto Market is the largest secondhand clothing market in West Africa, if not the largest in the world. On the elder's side of the market, there is an archway with the words Abroni Wabu, a phrase that means dead white men's clothing. When secondhand clothing started flooding into Ghana in the 1960s, people assumed that the cheap imports had been the property of deceased foreigners, hence the name. The truth is that the clothing was simply excess that living consumers in the USA and Europe no longer wanted. Ghanaian consumers also preferred the idea of purchasing clothing that had been retired over clothing that had been discarded. Who wouldn't? When the secondhand clothing trade began, it was considered good business. When Ghana gained independence in 1957, wearing Western clothing was a symbol of prestige. So there was a market eager to purchase Obroni Wawu. Secondhand clothing was considered high quality in terms of finishing details, fit, and durability. Contamanto's retailers report that back then, working Contamanto was a dignified job, often a family business that allowed for upward mobility. Similarly, importers say that back then, the business was exciting. Some importers even traveled to the USA and Europe to advise exporters on what would sell well in their country. Well, there is still a market for secondhand clothing in Ghana. Business is no longer good and excess has become a familiar concept. Today there is too much clothing of low quality. Today importers and retailers alike have asked me to tell you to stop sending them 
your trash clothes. This waste makes it harder for retailers to turn a profit. Once purchased, bales are sorted into four piles called selections. The first selection is top quality, 18% of the bale, whereas third selection is heavily worn, that makes up about 46%. Fourth selection is straight trash, items with stains all over them, garments that should have never been exported to Ghana. Retailers do not discover the quality of the bale until after purchasing it and few importers will accept returns. Combine this with the fact that prices are driven down by oversaturation and only 16% of retailers make a profit. Kayaye risk everything. The Kayaye or Kaya are female headquarters. As young as 14, these girls migrate from the northern region of Ghana and find work transporting bales of clothing from importer to retailer and everywhere. Girls are frequently injured when bales fall on their limbs and Kayaye have died because the load was too heavy. They are known as the slaves of the system. Not slaves. Almost everyone in Accra, regardless of class, gender, age, and profession, shops secondhand. Generally, clothing exported from the global north is still perceived as high quality, but not everyone enjoys navigating Kansamanto, shuffling through piles and piles of clothing to find what they're looking for. Today, many middle and upper class consumers shop from Instagram and Facebook sellers who have done the hunting for them and present a curated selection of vintage items. This paints a fairly dismal picture, but that is because the secondhand clothing economy is a mirror of the first-hand clothing economy. Not because Contamanto is a failure. Contamanto is a necessary outlet for the excess created by the fashion industry. It is part of a global waste management system. But the deficit myth has long deluded the global north into believing that poor, naked people in the global south need our material and cultural assistance. With this savior attitude, we always seem to have convinced ourselves that secondhand clothing markets are retail utopias where every item is sold and loved forever. But of course, this cannot be true. There is simply too much clothing. There is an excess of excess and the more we oversaturate secondhand clothing markets like Contamanto, the more we devalue clothing in terms of real and nominal value. All brands, high and low, first selection and third selection, end up on the floor of Contamanto, soaking up mud and printing with, printed with footsteps. Very little is precious because the supply never stops. So what can be done? First and foremost, we have to regulate production volumes and remove excess from the business model of fashion. With virtually no limits on production and no regulation on import volumes in Ghana, Contamanto serves as an open valve, not a bottleneck, to continued growth and profit in the global north. Our waste compounds existing environmental, infrastructural, and health issues in Ghana. For those of us who live in the global north, waste is still out of sight and out of mind, and the risk is just not felt. But in Ghana, waste is a public health crisis because textiles wrapped around plastic choke the gutters and increase the risk of malaria and cholera. Diverting clothing from landfills in the global north by dumping this excess on the global south is absurd. Calling this a solution or referring to this as recycling is even more absurd. We must address the problem of waste in a way that inspires reckoning, recovery, peace, and equity. The pandemic is a time for a reset. To break past these colonial power structures and hold brands truly accountable, 
So while your favorites have a fireside chat about how sustainable they are, they are complicit in this devastation of South Asia and Africa. And until next time, peace. Thank you.